0: what it means to be crucified with Christ. That's the subject of our time today, here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Join us here in Galatians chapter 2. Jesus told the rich young ruler to deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow after him. And that is exactly what the Apostle Paul is talking about here in Galatians chapter 2, verses 15 through 21. Welcome to the program. This is Truth For Today. Pastor Phil Howard continues our look at what it means to be crucified with Christ. By the way, if you have a question for Pastor Phil, we'd love to hear it. Simply access your voice memo app on your smartphone, record your question, your name, and where you're calling from. And then email that question to us, tftquestions.com at valleybible.org and Pastor Phil will talk about it and get it on the program. Here's Pastor Phil now with today's program.
1: I was teaching at a small Bible college I never knew what the word justification meant until my second year of college and Dean Moore in Elsa Brandy was the president of a small Bible institute and I went to it and I took his Romans class he made us do eight papers in Romans and one was on justification and um, I've never been the same I just I I just you know there's a lot of preachers out I have to say this And, and and you know sometimes even the staff get me man you expect everybody to know what propitiation means and what justification means and election and sanctification and adoption yeah I do Because I was living in a fog, saved, enjoying God, but my whole world just opened up. But I started understanding great biblical terms and their meanings. It it was like a, a, a second rebirth in me. At this little bible institute with about 40 students and when i'm looking at the greek text and, and i'm saying just you wait wait declared righteous and i had to memorize this definition justification is that judicial act of god whereby he declares a hell deserving sinner to be righteous based upon the imputed righteousness of christ and i memorized that 1965 just like that That judicial act of God whereby he declares a hell-deserving sinner to be righteous based upon the imputed merits of Christ. That is fabulous. I could shout over that for a month. And you've got that glazed look on your face. Like, what's he talking about? Is this important to my marriage? I care less about your marriage until you find out where you're going to spend eternity. You better, first of all, know, am I, am I right with God? Wouldn't you think that's the greatest theological question you need to have answered? Am I right with God, and will I go to heaven when I die? Or is there something left I must do? I don't feel complete. But I remember as I began to uh, get into these truths and learn this, and, uh, and then, of all things, when I was at this small bible college I, I was teaching the book of romans and it, it's like god would never let me get away from it and it's it just like He just and because i grew up thinking i could lose my salvation i thought i lost it several times and, and one time i thought I lost it for six months and then i got saved again and uh so many of my family, it felt like they'd lost it. My sister Hazel lost her salvation. She'd started wearing lipstick. And, uh, let's see, uh, what else? Uh, you know, big things, big sins. We were notorious. Uh, uh my sister Ruth would come into church, and she was backslid, and she's back there now with her husband. Uh, uh Naomi Ruth. My dad wanted to get it right, so he, Naomi Ruth. And then, uh... You know, I knew so many backslidden people. We were always, it seemed like we spent as much time trying to stay saved as it took to get saved. It was easy to get saved. It was hard to stay saved. You don't know what I'm talking about unless you've been around it. And so I always just, and, and all of a sudden, it just like hit me one day. What did I do to get saved? Did I promise God I'd be sinless? Did I promise God I'd get, I'd become perfect? Did I promise God, bring on the rules, give them to me? Well which one do you want me to keep? Well ten commandments would be a good place. And I love Paul. He got through all nine, and he said the tenth one slew him. Thou shalt not covet. See so that one to slay all of us. You can't lust after anything. You can't even want more money, more power, another wife, another donkey, another promotion. Don't covet anything. that everybody. And that's when you don't even act out. You just kind of keep smiling. You don't know I'm coveting, do you? Right now I'm wanting everything you got. <laughs> and I look clean. I haven't done a thing, but I want what you got. Said Paul, said that's the one that slew him in Romans 7. I got through all nine, but when he said, Thou shalt not covet, all kinds of coveting broke out in me. You can't keep the law. And so I thought, I, I had, when I was being disciplined by some men in love kind of warned me they, what their big fear was this teaching will lead to lawlessness this teaching what rules are you going to live by son well I, i'm saved by grace i'm saved by faith yeah but come on there's got to be more than that well it, it says here i'm saved by grace I'm through faith plus nothing come on what else do you promise well I, I, uh you're going to be lawless you're going to be loose you you you're just throwing away all the rules you grew up with As though the Christian life needs rules to be lived successfully. Did you know how you could ruin kissing in marriage? Is make a law that I have to kiss my wife three times a day. You would absolutely ruin kissing. How many would it be for that law? You got to kiss your wife three times a day. How many for it? Don't you see any takers? Now that sounds a little crazy, doesn't it? Honey, I'm under the state of California and I have to serve one month in prison if I don't kiss you three times in a day. You know what? I would resent every kiss. In our early marriage, we got into a little spat and she did something like this. For some reason, I don't know why, she said, and you better never hit me. I said, you know what? I've never wanted to do it until now. But the moment you put an ultimatum on me and said, I better, I want to smack you so good. And I just held back. I was pastoring, so I didn't do it. No, uh, I don't need a rule to make me love someone. Rules don't keep a marriage together. And if Christians could find out you fall in love with who you put faith in, And you could throw away the law book because you're now under the guidance of a person and not a set of codes inscribed on stone. I don't need rules. I need to just act out the love of my heart. And I'm going to tell you, I cannot tell you how many things I was warned that I would do if I taught these doctrines of grace. That a man through faith alone and grace alone to be right with God, you will promote loose living. I love what my sister Laura, who grew up in the same circles as me, said one time. It was a wonderful word. She said, I never heard so much holiness preached in all my life in a so-called grace church. Because holiness of life always befits being in love with the Savior. How could you love doing anything against him? And you don't need a rule. You didn't get saved on a rule, and you don't stay saved by keeping the rules. You stay saved by faith alone in Christ alone. He's the only one that saves in the beginning. And guess what? He's the one that says... I am confident that he who began a good work in you will complete it. Now, why is it we don't hang out with sin as much? Because whether you know it or not, you died. Now, when did you put down that you died? When did you die? Some of you say, aren't you kind of rushing it? (laughs) No. Look at what he says. Verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. Now, if you read Romans 6, 1 through 11, he says all this language. We died with Christ. If you read Colossians 3, chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, we have died with Christ, and our life is now hidden with God in Christ, and our life is above. You just read Colossians. Read Ephesians 4, Romans 6. It keeps saying, believers have died with Christ. Now, how many of you ever heard of the baptizing work of the Spirit? Well, Paul said the Spirit in 1 Corinthians, at the moment of our faith in Christ, he baptized you into the body of Christ, and he says it at the end of Galatians. You have been baptized into Christ, and now there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither male, female. There's neither slave nor free. What's happened? You've been given a brand new identity in Christ so that His history becomes yours. Now, you know why the law cannot reach me anymore? I've already died under its penalty. The law says obey or die, and all of us disobeyed. Guess what? All of us had to die. And guess who we died with? We died in the person of our substitute, we died in Christ. Because he didn't die for his sin. He kept the law. He had perfect obedience. But he said, I'll keep it for those who never will keep it. And I'll bear the penalty, the death penalty. So when you come to Christ, the Spirit takes you and he immerses you into Christ. And all of a sudden, you take on a new history in the eyes of God. So that God now looks on you and says, I see you on the cross. He said, yes, that's me, Lord. I'm there in the person of my substitute. Father, I've already died for my sins in Christ. Is that true? I'm on the cross. I died with Christ. You don't see the nail prints, but I, I got them. I was with him. And matter of fact, I've already been buried. They buried me. That's why you shouldn't be afraid of physical death. You've already died once when you're a believer. I've been buried. And you know what the law could do? The law could only kill. But God had something marvelous in the gospel. He wouldn't lead me in the grave. He raised me with Christ, Romans 6, 5, to walk in newness of life. I've been raised. And so I'm on the other side of the tomb, having died, For my sins, having died with Christ. Two things. I died with Christ and got credit for him dying for my sins. Now I died with Christ. That's my identity. And when I died with Christ, you know, when your parents die and you need to go to the county to get all the uh, death certificates, you send them to all the creditors. You know what God did when you die with Christ? He sent a notice to the law. You can no longer boss them. They've died. He said that in Romans 7. We died with Christ to be raised and joined to a new husband. And the old husband was the law. So God's already sent a notice to the law. No longer can you command them for they are a corpse to you. And according to Romans 5, he sent a notice to Adam. Guess what? One of your children just died and has got out of you. You are no longer their head. I've let them die to you and they are now risen in a new head, Christ. And according to the Word of God, I died to the old man, and that was Adam. Hey, Adam, I'm not even in your family tree anymore. My new identity, all my mail, goes to Jesus. All my debts go to Jesus. Everything goes to him. Everything negative about me, Jesus has picked up. And everything positive about me now, he's given to me by grace. I was crucified. I would answer when I died... First, I died with Christ when I became a Christian. At that moment, it became mine in time because that's the moment I was placed in Christ. And then God said, I'll transfer and give you credit for having died in 33 AD. An astounding concept. So you say, well, I died, but I I live. Well, Well, who's living in you? Christ is now living in me. For in the new birth, he put Christ in me, and to have Christ in me is the hope of glory. To have Christ in me is eternal life. So I died to everything that was sin, law, and the old man, and I was raised in Christ, and in Christ I have eternal life. In Christ I've got a brand new status. In Christ I've got a brand new identity. In Christ I'm clothed. In Christ I'm accepted. In Christ I'm completed. In Christ I've got eternity made. In Christ I can never be lost I'm in him he says it 115 times in Christ in Christ in Christ where are you in Christ Christ. and in Christ I died I was buried I was raised and I walk in newness of life and if you throw out all the rules throw out all the church stuff Throw out everything. Just give me Jesus, and I know how to live a pleasing life to God because Christ is living through me. Did you believe that? I love what Philip Bliss, he wrote a great little song that uh, I'll just close with these thoughts. He wrote this uh, song that said, Free from the law, O happy condition, Jesus has bled and there is remission. Cursed by the law and bruised by the fall, grace has redeemed us once for all. Now let me finish this last verse. What he says: I live, and I live in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God. You know how your spirit felt? Faith. You know how you live the Christian life? Faith. Do you know what the key, the secret to the Christian life is? Faith. The same thing that saved you is the way we walk by faith, not by sight. Galatians 5, 6, everything summed up in this one line, by faith serving one another in love. Would you like to reduce it all to one sentence? Galatians 5, 6. Faith, guess what your problem is? Faith or unbelief. You're spirit controlled when you're walking in an attitude of faith towards God, and when you're walking an attitude of faith towards God, Romans six says you're counting yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God. You're taking God at His word and you're counting on it. Romans six, eleven through thirteen. I am dead to sin. Sin, I can't lust after that woman. Why not? I'm dead. I died to your lust and impulses in Jesus. Now, that's the fact. Now, according to the Colossians, I'm to act on that. When I act on it, I put it to death in the present tense experience of my walk. But I got to know, I died to lust. That's a fact. I died to immorality. I died to stealing, lying, and all. That's a fact. Now, when I come to it in my experience, and there's some temptation... Some chick made up like the play made of the month. I got to make a choice to count on what's a fact, and that takes faith. I count on you, God, that I am dead towards illegal sex, whether it's porno, my mind or my body, and so I'm going to act on it right now. I'm not going to pray over the centerfold. I'm going to run because I'm acting on the fact that I'm dead to lust. Instead of saying, "Well, I can't help myself," what do you mean you can't help yourself? Is Christ in you? Can Christ go to bed with that woman? First Corinthians six says, "Shall I take Christ and join him to a prostitute?" Right? That's blasphemy, isn't it? What she's saying: If I am a member of Christ's body, which I am, if I've been baptized in Him, whatever I do and wherever I go, I take Jesus with me. Oh, oh, you don't believe it. Look at the verse. I can tell. I don't care. Look, get over there. First Corinthians 6. That is an astounding working out of this union with Christ. Verse 15. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and yo- unite them with a prostitute? Never. Wait, wait, wait. How can Christ be involved? Because he sees you as a member of his body. You don't cease to be a member of his body, no matter what you do. If you cuss a little bit, you drug Christ into it. If you want to lust a little bit, you drug Christ. If you go to a a house of ill repute, you took Christ there. And he says, I'm telling you, don't bring shame on your Savior. All I need for the motive to live the Christian life, he said, is two things. I live now... By faith in the Son of God. Why would you want to give your life to him? Because he loved me and he gave himself up for me. No one else has ever done for you and I what Jesus has done. And if I should seek to be right with God or on any other basis, I would set aside the grace of God, verse 21, and I would tell Christ, you died for nothing. And in the Greek it means you died without a need to, without a cause. It's like you're saying, Jesus, you didn't have to die for me. I could have made it by myself. You didn't have to do that. That Nice. But, you know, I could have got there on my own. I don't need grace. I don't need a crucified Savior and Messiah. You know, I, I keep the rules. He said we would do what he warned them in Hebrews 10... Do not trample underfoot the blood of this Son and this blood, nor do despite to the Spirit of grace, for to count him as an unclean thing, as ineffectual, you can send away your day of grace. You must treat that crossword as sacred. So, uh, I just wish Luther was here. Because sometimes preaching to Christians slumbering, slumbering mentally in most of the church world. We don't even talk about these truths because they're not relevant. They're not, they're not grabbers. And yet, uh, the evangelical world has been in a great debate. And the debate has been, should we uh, say there's no division between us and Rome, that we all both teach the same gospel. Billy Graham made a statement. We teach the same gospel. The whole Reformation was over. A man can only be just before God, not through religious works, not through sacraments, not through saints, not through middlemen, but by faith in Christ alone. And this is exactly what Paul wanted. The early church, the early Jewish church that was ready to rent in two departments. He said, no, no, no. There's one gospel, one people, different ethnic backgrounds, but one people in Christ. And we must not let it be lost. What does justification mean? When did you die? And when did you get resurrected? It's key to understanding the Christian life. I hope that uh, if you're still self-centered and consumed with self, that you would come to Christ, and he would not only give you a righteous standing by grace, he would change your absorption of self-interest and self-centeredness. The great fallenness of man is revealed by his ego about himself. He's stuck on mud because you're just a bunch of animated mud made in the image of God. From the ground, he made man. Just mud. And you're going right back to dust. If we didn't have embalming flood and fancy mausoleums and fancy coffins, it wouldn't take but about a year and we wouldn't even know where you were. But he put something inside the temple of clay, a mind, a soul, that has eternal destiny. And he said, you can only be right with God through Jesus Christ and faith alone.
0: And once again, we've come to the end of our time together. Here today on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. As we lock things up for another day of broadcasting, we do so with a, a way to contact us here at Truth For Today. If you have a question, a prayer request, a comment, we would love to pray for you. If you have a praise report about how the program is encouraging you in Christ, we'd love to hear that as well. A couple of ways to reach out to us. The easiest, of course, our phone number, 855-833-9864, or our website, truthfortodayradio.org. Now, you have another way to reach out to us, and that is, especially if you have a question or a praise report, that you would like Pastor Phil to answer. Well, simply take your voice memo app on that smartphone of yours, record your question along with who you are and where you're calling from, and then email that bit of audio to us at tftquestions at valleybible.org. Again, the email address is tftquestions at valleybible.org. So email that to us. We'll run it by Pastor Phil. And should we use it on the radio, we'll even let you know when. And as always, you can again reach out to us at our website, truthfortodayradio.org, or by calling 855-833-9864. You can also write to us, 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue. Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. As you partner with us financially, bear in mind that we are able to continue this radio ministry through you doing just that, joining other friends and family members of this ministry to ensure that this program continues its ministry in the greater Bay Area. Please consider that as you reach out to us, and then join us next time for another broadcast of Truth for Today with Pastor Phil Highland.